of hands before you got out of bed today. We celebrate you. We celebrate you every week. Thank you so much for being here. We celebrate you as a church and the Sunday morning service. Have a great week as you get out of bed. Thank you so much for being that exercise. Uh, just helps me to, if, if I get out of bed in the morning, I'm trying to sing this low clap. Thank you, Lucy. She did it today. She never does that, but tomorrow morning, I guarantee you, she will do that because I said that this morning. So,
Sometimes it feels like you guys are learning how to be potty trained right now. I'm just going to tell you, as the leader of this church, it sometimes feels like I'm potty training you guys. That's a joke and it's not funny. So, uh, <laughs> But thank you guys so much for being a part of two years. We invite you to be a part of year number three coming up uh, this next year. And, and we, are, we have some, some really important. something that we've never done, and that is we are calling next Sunday uh, not only our birthday, but also Vision Sunday, uh, where we talk, uh, we're going to take some time to talk about the vision of the Refuge Church, and, 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 and what's great about it is this morning we're talking about influence and, um, and how you get to influence people. Next Sunday we're going to talk about the church's influence and how we plan on influencing uh, the world around us. visiting with us, yes, we do like to clap. Yes, we do like to have a good time. We believe that the church is the best place to be. We think we'd be a whole lot worse places this morning than we here. So we're going to have a good time. We're going to celebrate. You can, you can, you're going to get a lot more out of this if you participate than if you just sit there and stare at us. I'm going to get a lot more out of this if you participate instead of just stare at us. So um, I'm going to get fired up here in just a moment. Myself this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I and, and, and just a sidebar. As I preach to myself, I get more fired up. Like, like I don't know about you guys, but when you start to tell yourself you can do it, you, you, you get fired up, and that's kind of that's kind of the place that I'm at this morning. And um, I'm excited to get into this. So, um, the last four weeks we talked about. First week we talked about uncommon love. Uh, the next week we talked about week we talked about uncommon um, communication, 
chapter 12 verse 2 says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world again the world is falling apart when it comes to relationships so we don't want to copy what they do when it comes to relationships instead it says but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think about relationships by changing the way you think about work by changing the way you think about fill in the blank and so we don't want to copy what the world does in all of those things but we want God to this is what, what his, the promise is, and then you will learn to know God's will for you. I hope that you're here this morning because you're asking yourself this morning, what does God want for me? You will learn what God's will is for you, and then he goes on to say, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that your relationships can be good, can be pleasing, and can be perfect, but it's going to require us to change the way we think about them. We're going to have to have an uncommon approach when it comes to love, when it comes to communication, when it comes to commitment, when it comes to conflict. Yeah, I'm trying to remember my kids. When it comes to influence. This morning we're talking about how we treat those each other. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that the previous four messages all point to this one. And here's why. Because every relationship, with every relationship comes doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a relationship with your, with your children, hopefully you influence those mom and dad. It doesn't matter if, you, if, it's, if it's a relationship with your co-workers, it doesn't matter if it's a relationship with your spouse, it all points to influence. The reason we have relationships is for influence. So I believe that this morning's message is, is the most important out of all of them. When it comes to relationships, the problem is we have challenges. Now, I don't like to always assume that all of you know my story. We have this saying here at the refuge that every, every 
school with your story. And um, so I want to tell you just a little bit about my story this morning. I don't want to, again, I don't want to, I know that some of you would say, man, you're you're crazy. But my story includes four years of high school, like most of yours. But my four years of high school, I went to, um, I went to four high schools in just three of those years. Four high schools in three years in three different states. We started in Illinois. I went to Kentucky, then I went uh, to Indiana, and then I went back to Illinois again. I'm a kid from, I'm a product of the Midwest. My wife is from Boston, so she drug me out here to New England, and I'm so glad to be here. But I went to four high schools in three years, and the reason for that is because my dad is also a pastor. He still pastors to this day. Uh, he pastors a, 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 a church in, in the Chicagoland area, and uh, I know that, that his dad and my mom are, are leaving this message later on, but we are faithful followers of God. reason we moved around so much was because of this, this thing that I like to call ministry with Sean. You see, sometimes being in ministry just flat out stinks. And the reason why sometimes being in ministry flat out stinks is because you work with people. And you thought it was just your job. <laughs> All of our jobs sometimes flat out stink because we're working with people. And you ask me this question, and I thought about it. It's probably annoying. But my story includes parents that did ministry, that got hurt. But you know what? I'm so thankful that my parents never quit ministry because of the pain. thankful that they didn't put up walls because of the things that people did for them, did to them. It got so bad that when I went to my mom and I told her I wanted to be a pastor, she looked at me and said, do I need to get your head checked, boy? You are crazy. Why would you ever want to do this? And I looked at her and I said, The reason I'm in ministry today is because my parents didn't allow the relationship pain to keep them from going forward. Because we experienced it. There was one church that my dad was a pastor at. um, It was when we moved from Illinois the first time to Kentucky. We were, we were uh, traveling from, from Illinois to Kentucky on, on the weekends. On Thanksgiving, we had scheduled a community Thanksgiving meal for the family, or for the, for the community, um, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And that morning, we woke up to a phone call in our hotel room because we hadn't moved yet. And the phone call was the fire department that said the the church is on fire. The church building was on fire. It was really surreal 
to watch my dad be interviewed by the news and be on TV talking about how this church building burnt to the ground. That was on Thanksgiving. We moved over Christmas, and on Valentine's Day, the leaders of the church went to my dad and decided to tell him how much they loved him. And we, they said, we want to vote you out as our pastor. We don't want you anymore. And my dad looked at him and said, I've been here for three months. I haven't been able to change anything. I haven't been able to lead you to anything. Why? And so he just decided that it was God's will for that to happen at that time. And, and he resigned. And in June, we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And my dad got a job as an associate pastor so that he could heal from the relationship pain that he had experienced. That was six months. And I was already, as a sophomore, I was going to my third high school. Relationships bring pain because of people problems. I want to give you just real quick uh, four types of Or sorry, so so reactions to people problems. These are reactions to people problems. Number one is is when when we have an uncommon influence, when when we have a common influence, and and people hurt us, this is our, our first reaction. We say, I have to protect myself. Number one, I must protect myself. And so what happens when we get hurt? have the common influence of the world is we start to build walls. We start to build walls and we start to put up walls all around us in order to protect ourselves. But what happens, ladies and gentlemen, is the walls go up and the influence goes down. You cannot influence others by having walls around you. You can't protect yourself from relationships and have influence in other people's lives. It just doesn't happen. And the second reaction to common reaction to relationship pain from people problems is we say, now I've got to control the situation. So we say, I must protect and now I must control. I must control my environment. I must control what they're doing. Control goes up, influence comes down. Number three, the third thing that we respond to when it comes to relationship pain is we say, I must benefit from this relationship. You know what? If I can't protect myself, if I can't control it, then I better get something out of this relationship. And I'm only going to be in it for me now. I'm going to protect myself, and I'm going to benefit from this relationship, and if I don't, I'm out. And the final one, we say, I must win. Again, it goes along with the benefit. Say, I've got to win in this relationship. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? I've been hurt too many times not to get anything out of this relationship. But what happens is we lose influence when we react those ways. And the reality is when people are present, pain is also present. So oftentimes. So I believe that there are there are four primary people problems that we all 
So those are the reactions to the people's problems, but these are the people's problems we have. Number one, we have people with disappointment. People with disappointment. Listen, you thought it was just you and your friend. It's not. People disappoint. It's a, it's a result of a fallen world. Well, that's just what happens. I don't mean to be Johnny Snowcloud this morning. <laughs> First, I didn't say Rainy Cloud, although that's coming, right? From all rain. You know, we'll just call it what the rain. But so oftentimes, people will disappoint us. You know who, who knew a lot about people disappointing him? Jesus. Jesus knew a lot about people disappointing him. One disciple in particular by the name of Peter. If you know anything about your Bible, you know that Peter was a disappointment to Jesus so often. He was the guy that denied that he even knew Jesus three times. Even after being warned that he would do it. I can't do that, Jesus. Why? Peter disappointed Jesus often. But now it wasn't just Peter, it was, it was all 12 of his disciples. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, we see this story of, of, of Peter and, and, and his disciples. And, and what happens is the disciples are out on a boat. And while they're on this boat fishing, they see this man walking on water. What appears to be this man walking on water. You've heard the story. You know what happened. Peter says, look, I think, guys, I think I recognize that guy. I, th- I think that's Jesus. And they're like, no, no, certainly not. And Peter goes, hey, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there. I want to join you. And Jesus says, Peter, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking. But then what happens? Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to doubt him. And you can hear the doubt, or you can hear the disappointment in Jesus' voice when he when he says, verse 31 of Matthew chapter 14, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You of little faith. I can just I can just picture the heart of Jesus. He says, I thought I was doing so well with you, Peter. But you still have such little faith. him up and he says, Peter, why did you doubt me? And the disappointment in Jesus doesn't come from Peter's little faith, but it comes from the doubt in his heart. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can have confidence that Jesus is with us, that we can walk on water too, we will be able to endure this world like we never even dreamed we could. But people are in disappointment. It's not just our relationship. It was Jesus too. The second people problem that we have is people make mistakes. I think I made one this morning. People make mistakes. We all do. Another story about Peter is found in Matthew chapter 16. You can turn there again if you want. When Jesus and his, his disciples are at the last supper, this is the last meal that they have together before Jesus goes to be crucified on the cross. table, and, and, he, and he tells his disciples, hey guys, I want you to know I'm going to die. The Bible says that Peter actually took Jesus aside. He says, Jesus, come here. Come here. You're not going to die. 
and he denies it. He's like, you're not going to die. Can you imagine how that worked out for Peter? That he, he actually, the Bible, it actually says that he, he began to reprimand Jesus. Yeah, that went as well as you could think that it would. And Jesus looks at him in, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 23, and he says, get behind me, Satan. It got so bad that Jesus looked at Peter and said, all right, devil, get behind me. You know things you've done. You know you've done messed up when, when Jesus starts calling you the devil. You done messed up, Peter. Get behind me, devil. You know you messed up. Peter made mistakes. Number three is people are selfish. People are selfish. We live in a selfish world. My guess is that some of you have already said to yourself this morning, man, I wish Johnny was here this morning. He could really use this message. (laughs) Some of you said it last week. Man, I wish Sarah was here. She could really use this message on conflict. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not here for somebody else. You're here for you. You're here so that God can work in you. I'm here so that God can work in me. I'm preaching to myself today. I don't have it figured out. I make mistakes too. I'm selfish. I'm just as selfish as you are. I wish that someone was here this morning. But they're not. But I am. We live in a selfish world. We all have selfish tendencies. You know who else had selfish tendencies? Not just Peter, but 100% of the 12. All 12 of the disciples had selfish tendencies. In fact, there's this story of, of, of Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane before he goes to pray. It said that, that he needed, Jesus needed his disciples the most at this moment. And they go and they pray and he comes back and what are they doing? They're asleep. They're passed out. In verse 37, Jesus points to Peter because let's face it, Peter was often to blame. And it says, when he, then when he returned, then he returned and he found the disciples asleep. And he said, Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you just give me one hour? Couldn't you just give me one hour? Ladies and gentlemen, you're on a good start to this week because you've given God an hour this morning. You're doing better than the disciples did. We're so selfish. Can I just say that if I can teach my kids, my children, Anna and Grant, if I can teach them to think about other people, then I've done good as a parent. If you teach your kids to think of someone else before they think of themselves, then this world would be a much better place. Teach them to think of other people before they think of themselves. Mark chapter 14, verse 51. It says, then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. See, number four is people might betray me. So people disappoint, people make mistakes, people are selfish, and people might betray me. They might completely turn their back 
on me. You see, so oftentimes we look to Peter as the one that denied Jesus, but it wasn't just Peter, it was all 12. All 12 ran away from Jesus. The thing that, re- that, that amazes me about Jesus, one of the things, is that he knew that people would betray him. He knew that Judas would stab him in the back for silver. And yet he still loved him anyway, and he still welcomed him in, and he still allowed Judas to take care of the money of the disciples. Judas was a treasurer, and he still trusted him with it. It amazes me that Jesus knows that we will let him down. Jesus knows that I'm going to let him down tomorrow, and yet he has me on his knees, and it is a privilege for me to speak on his behalf. Because I know how messed up I am. I know I make mistakes. I'm far from perfect. But because I'm not here because I'm perfect. I'm here because God has me here because I'm willing. If we allow the pain of past relationships to determine how we handle future ones, then our influence will be done. We won't influence anybody. Jesus didn't limit his influence on Peter, and he doesn't influence, he doesn't limit his influence on me. He doesn't limit his influence on you either. He never gave up on the disciples. In fact, he trusted him to go and tell the world. The great commission was given to the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He trusted men that let him down over and over and over again. Ladies and gentlemen, people will let us down. It doesn't mean that we don't strive to influence their lives. But we can't do it in a selfish way. We have to do it God's way. We have to do it God's way. In John chapter 21, there's a story that takes place after Jesus resurrects from the dead. He comes back to life. Can you imagine Peter's look on his face when he realized that Jesus was alive again? (laughs) Oh, crap. I told that little girl back there that I didn't know him. And now she's going to see you with him again. Can you imagine? Because you know that Peter knew, that that Jesus knew that he had betrayed him. Jesus told him that he was going to. Verse 17 of John 21, it says, The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is Jesus speaking to Peter. He asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You know, in the Bible, sheep represent people. So what Jesus is saying to Peter is, if you love me, then go influence the world. If you love me, then take care of the people. 
If you love me, then be for them more than you are for you. See, it amazes me that no matter how many times Peter let Jesus down, he still gave him an assignment. See, it wasn't about Peter's performance. It was about his purpose. It was about what God had in store for Peter. My influence is not determined by my level of success. The world has influence all wrong when it comes to leadership, when it comes to leading other people. You see, when it, when it comes to leadership, the world looks at, at, at the leader's success. But leadership doesn't come, or influence doesn't come based on my success. My influence comes based on your success. If I can get you to succeed, then my influence goes up. Influence isn't about me, it's about you. You could say the same thing. Influence isn't about you, it's about them. Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, go and be a success. Go and influence others. Go and empower other people to live for me. Go and and tell them that they can do it too. So how, how do we impact other people? How do we influence others and when, when there's so much pain and there's so much, uh, so much junk that goes on in our lives? Five ways to in- influence people, and I'm done. Number one, focus on the person. This is real practical stuff here. Number one is focus on the person. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the person. Don't be afraid to get to know people. Don't be afraid to open yourself up to others. Don't be afraid to learn people's story. We say, again, every, every name, every person has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. We also say that wins at the Refuge Church are represented by names and stories. If we can know your story, then we have won. We want to get to know your story because your story matters because that's how influence happens. The reason we want to know your story is so that we can win, ladies and gentlemen, so that we can have influence on this world around us. Get to know people. But influence requires a closeness that so many people do not want to let in. Jesus was able to influence Peter because he was willing to get close to someone that he knew would let him down. He was willing to get close to someone that he knew would betray him. Always see the person. You know why it's difficult to see the person? Because so oftentimes after church, I'll go home and I'll start scrolling through Instagram. And I'll start looking at one of my church planning friends that started his church the exact same day that we started ours and see that they had 700 people in attendance today. Wow, that's great for him. I'm so proud of him. Do you think that's what I do? No. Throw my phone across the room. What? How dare him be more successful than me? So oftentimes the comparison stops us from seeing the person. 
say that again because that's better than the response I just got. So oftentimes, the comparison will stop you from seeing the person. But you know what will take the blinders off? Celebration. When you start to celebrate that, yeah, 700 people, are you kidding me? That's incredible. Go God. It's amazing what God is doing in their life. But if you stop comparing and you start celebrating somebody, then God can use you to influence their life. Uncommon influence is not feeling threatened by someone else's success. Uncommon influence is seeing that their ability to be used by others to impact this world for Jesus and empowering them to do so. So focus on the person. Number two, you got to focus on the positive. Focus on the positive. Stop looking at the negative. You don't have to look very far to see the negative around us, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's snowing this morning again. Probably woke up this morning feeling a little negative because of the snow. Come on, Adam. I'm preaching to myself this morning. You don't have to look very far to see negativity. But look at what, what Paul said in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 32. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to focus on the positive, you've got to get to the forgiveness. The Apostle Paul says that if we're going to focus on the positive, we have to focus on the forgiveness. Forgiveness can be difficult to teach. It can be difficult to live. It can especially be difficult to teach to 11-year-old boys. Particularly ones named Grant. I got permission this morning to tell you a story about my son. A couple weeks ago, I went to pick him up at school, and uh, Graham kind of looks a little grumpy, which isn't uncommon for him, um, especially at the end of a school day. And I said, what's wrong, buddy? And he said, well, I was at recess, and this girl had on boots, and she splashed my shoes, and she got them dirty. Graham can be a little bit of a sneakerhead, which I'm completely okay with. I support it because we need fashionable shoes because our feet are so fashionable, you know what I'm saying? It's an expensive habit, but I support it. And um, and and so a little bit of a of a sneakerhead, he he just finished basketball season, and so um, he actually has these shoes on today. Although right now he doesn't have the shoes on. That's not what that's about. He's got these white shoes, and 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 so when this girl splashed his shoes, he was very very mad. was he told us he was going to start wearing his sneakers to school. And I said to him, well, buddy, you're going to wear them outside at recess and they're going to get dirty. And he said, well, that's okay. I'll take my old ones to wear at recess. So then when he was grumpy, on grumpy day, I was like, hey, man, like, you can have on your old shoes. But she didn't need to do that. Yes, she did. She had boots on. And she came over and she just splashed me. And finally, I 
looks at him and I said, son, why do you always look at the worst in people? And he was like, but you meant to. We're working on that stuff. But obviously he's made some progress because he let me tell you this story. I told him the exact same story I was telling you. And he was like, Dad, can you tell another one? <laughs> he likes me to talk about him. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, we, we oftentimes can look at the negativity in people's lives and we can label that what they've done is, is what they, that they meant to do it. And we can look, we look at them and instead, when we get to the place of forgiveness and we say that I will forgive them no matter what. You see, Graham had the right to go back to that girl the next day with his boots on and splash her, her shoes and get her shoes dirty. He had that right. But forgiveness is giving up the right to pay someone else back. When you can get to the point of forgiveness before you even get to know the person, you can get to the point of saying, I won't pay them back because the Bible says that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, that, that, that he will pay them back far worse than I ever could. And I will just be kind to them, and I will focus on what Peter says in Ephesians, that I will give up my right to pay them back. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I know that as a father, my job is to teach my kids forgiveness by knowing, by, by showing them that they can, they can not pay someone else back before they even get hurt. You have to get to the place of forgiveness so that we can focus on everything else. So first you focus on the person, then you focus on the positive, then you focus on the potential. You can't get to the potential if you don't get to the forgiveness. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Every single one of you has a gift, ladies and gentlemen. Every single one of your friends has a gift. We have this saying at the Refuge Church, everyone is a 10 in some area. You have potential. You have a gift. But ladies and gentlemen, what the Bible says here is that you aren't faithful to God if you don't use the gift that he has given you. If I can take just a moment and talk to the Christian. The Christian. Most of the time I assume that all, all y'all need Jesus. But right now I want to talk to the Christian. If you have gifts that God has given you, this Peter says, Peter, the one that we've been talking about, he says that you're not faithful when you don't use the gifts that God has given you. I hope that every believer in Jesus that's in this room has a desire to be a faithful steward of what God has given you. As your pastor, I want you to know that you rob God when you don't use the gifts that he has given you. Pastor Adam, we, we like it when you talk about, about giving God our money because that's a little bit easier than giving him our gifts. I realize that. Sometimes 
giving them your money, it's a little easier than giving them the gift that he's given you. Satan knows that he can, Satan knows that if he can get to your gifts, if he can rob you from using those gifts, that he can stop your influence. Don't allow the pain to build up the walls in your life to rob you of of using the gifts that God has given you. Use them. To, to bless God and to bless other people. Don't allow the pain to rob you of using your gifts. Our goal at the Refuge Church is to get every single one, 100% participation of people discovering their purpose and making a difference by discovering their, their potential that they have. We want all of you to, to reach your potential that God has for you. And the way that we do that is this thing called My Refuge. We do it uh, the first Sunday of the month, the second Sunday of the month, and the third Sunday of the month. We've designed it so that you can discover your potential, so that you can be used for the purpose that God has for you. That's why we do it. We say that if you want to make the refuge your home, then My Place is the way you, or My Refuge is the way that you can do that. And that's true. But what we don't tell you is that we've designed that so that you can take my hand and I were to cut it off, this is kind of morbid, you can lose weight and work with me. If I were to eliminate my hand from my body, and, and my hand would just sit there, and, and, um, and it, would, it would start to smell, and it would start to rot, and start to get nasty, but that hand is still mine. The hand still belongs to me. It's just not being used for its full potential. It's not being used for its purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, if you belong to Jesus, I believe that you need to be attached to his body. In order to to be used for the purpose that he has for you, you have to be attached to his body. His body is... focus on the potential, but focus on the purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. God has good things planned for you. Things that are
things that you could never even imagine. But we have to be willing to focus on the purpose of others so that we can find the purpose in ourselves. Number five, focus on the process. Focus on the process. I've learned a lot about process since starting the Refuge Church. In fact, I think if you look at my Facebook page, my profile picture right now has a lot about process on it. I've learned a lot about process. Great things don't happen overnight. There is always a process. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 38, says, do not judge others or you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and it will be for, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give. Ladies and gentlemen, that word give does not mean to give money. It means to give to relationships. Give to other people. And what happens when you give to other people is you will receive your gift will return to you in full. You see, when you invest in other people, other people start investing in you. It goes on and it says, it will be returned to you fully, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. Ladies and gentlemen, we, when we invest in others, others invest in us and it, becomes, and it comes back to us. Our influence will always come back to us. I could have called this, this message the boomerang of influence. It always comes back to us. I love the story about our organization's founder now, we don't make a big deal of, about being a part of this organization called ARC, although um, ARC helped us get started. It stands for the Association of Related Churches. Their goal is to plant churches all across the world. To this day, I think we've, we're, we're approaching the 900 churches mark in just 15 years. It's amazing what ARC has done founder of ARC is this guy by the name of Billy Hornsby. Billy Hornsby is with Jesus. He died of cancer in 2011. There's stories about Billy being on his deathbed and people lining up out the door waiting to meet with him just so that he could pray with them, just so that he could spend time with them, just so they could talk to him, just so they could see him again. There's a story about this other church planner by the name of Matt Keller that started a church down in Florida. As he got to the deathbed of Billy Hornsby, he looked at Billy and he said, Billy, what's your greatest accomplishment in life? And Billy didn't say, my greatest accomplishment in life is starting this organization and starting churches. Billy didn't say that his greatest accomplishment in life was even his family. You know what Billy said? Billy said, my greatest accomplishment in life is someone else's. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here this morning because of the influence of a man by the name of Billy Hornsby. And I hope and I pray 
that we can be one of his greatest accomplishments. But some of you have accomplishments that are inside of other people that you just have to give to influence their life. I'm so tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day as you go out and you influence other people would you do me a favor would you stand to your feet stand to your feet every head bowed every eye closed no one looking around ladies and gentlemen I am so grateful for the faithfulness of people that have poured into me to influence my life God would allow me to influence you so that you could go out and pour into other people. I'm not here to build a church. I'm here to build you and make you better. That's why God called me here. I'm so grateful that Jesus came to this earth to influence all of us. That no matter how much we've messed up, that he still believes in us to go into the world, to preach the gospel, to tell other people that he loved him so much, that God loved him so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the gospel. That is good news. Good news that, that it doesn't matter what you've done. Favor, would you, would you just slip your hand up so I can know know that you're in the right place? Anybody? Anybody? Just feel like you're lost. Thank you. I see that. Anybody else? I just feel like I'm lost. I want you to know this morning that God has a purpose, and that purpose begins with His Son Jesus. And maybe you've given Jesus your heart. Maybe you haven't. But I believe that all of you, all of you so much ability inside of you, but it all begins with Jesus. If you feel lost, would you just say this prayer with me? Say it in your heart. Say, God, I know that I've made mistakes. And I know that I need you to get me on the right path. And I know that it all begins with Jesus. So right now, the best way that I
would live my life like I am found. And that I would do my best to influence other people for you and not for me. Now, those of you that have your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to say a special blessing over you. And then, at the end of my prayer, we're going to celebrate like we've never celebrated before. We're going to celebrate, we're going to clap louder than we have this whole service. Because we know that God has big plans for us this week. God, I thank you so much for this week. The Holy Spirit is in this place. God, I thank you that you have big plans for us. Plans of a future and a hope. That's like Jeremiah said. Lord, I believe that you have great things in store for us. And Lord, I will forever invest in the people of the Refuge Church. Because their accomplishments are my greatest accomplishments. God, I will believe in them. I will empower them. I will push them to do great things because of you and not because of me. Lord, that we want to impact this world for you and not for the refuge. It's all about you and only you. You are the audience that we serve. God, I thank you. And no matter how many times I mess up, no matter how many times I disappoint, that you still see the potential in me. That you still see me as a person. That you still see me as a prophet. That you still see my purpose. And God, I want to do everything that I can to live out that purpose for you. So God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to live out our purpose for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now give God a hand clap of praise today. Thank you.